very proud that you're here this morning. Let's stand and sing together. disclaimer before this morning's uh, music. Not the sermon, just the music. Um, no, Andy's preaching today. <laughs> Who has ever been to um, camp, like any kind of camp, summer camp or weekend camp or any kind of camp? Okay, you know how when you go to camp and you sing those campy songs? And sometimes they just stick with you and they stay with you forever. I bet some of you out there know a song that you sang in camp uh, when you were younger, and it is still, you can still remember the words and the tune to that song. Well, the good thing about camp songs is they do stay with us forever. Um, the bad thing about camp songs is sometimes they sound like camp songs. So um, today we're going to sing a lot of campy kinds of songs. This is just our campy Sunday. And we're going to start out old songs. We should call them old songs, I guess. We're going to start out with Prince of Peace. Now, the cool thing about campy songs is that girls and guys get to split up and do different things. So, girls... You follow me, guys. You follow these guys, okay? Let's sing together.
have probably said that the ladies, you have a much tougher job on that song than those guys. But you, you did, did wonderful. <laughs> yes. You did a great job. Um, this next one, I actually, I had to rack my brain. Greg, I did go to camp. I did go one time. I'm not a big campy person, but I did go one time. And this was a song that I learned at camp um, that has kind of stuck with me. So let's sing this together all in all. my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, love of God, left the donuts. I thought nobody was here, but they just were all back in the donut area. It's good to see you. Glad that you're here today. I'm sure there's someone near you that you do not know, and you need to remedy that fairly quickly. And we also invite the children to come forward during this time for a few moments of sharing.
Good morning. How is everybody? Y'all doing good? I have a big bag of stuff with me this morning. Does somebody want to pull something out and see what all I have with me? Okay, I'll pull it out. What's this? Anybody know what this is? A stapler, right? Okay, I got some more stuff. What's this? Tape. Tape. Yep. What are these? Yeah, yeah, they might hurt you if you touch them, but we're not going to touch them this morning. We're going to leave them right here. And do you know what they're called? Somebody said it. Tacks, right? Thumbtacks, yeah. Okay, one more thing of tape. And what's this? A clothespin. What do all those things do? What do they have in common? They all do something. You said it earlier. What do these do? They hang stuff up, right? They keep something together right? They hold something together for us, like a stapler holds paper together, or tape can hold a lot of things together, right? Well, do you know that God gave us something to hold us together with other people, like our friends and our family? What do you think that is? What did God give us to hold us together, just like tape holds pieces of paper together? Love. God gave us love to hold us together with other people, like everybody in our church, or our neighbors, or our friends, just because we live on the same street, we still have to love each other. That's not close enough to keep us together in God, right? So we use love from God to hold us together to other people, just like tape would hold something together. Is that neat? Yeah. Okay, so let's pray. Dear God, you want to repeat after me? Repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for sending us love to hold us together. Help us to remember to love others. Amen. Today is a, a busy day here at the church. We will be receiving um, eight teenagers into the membership of the church at our later service through confirmation, and I look forward to that. Uh, we have our usual activities this afternoon and evening. I hope that you will be mindful of those things. Council of Ministries, I think we meet tonight. Does anybody know? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Thank you. I just happened to remember second, uh, second Sunday. And speaking of uh, monthly things, our <clears throat> potluck, potluck supper is on this coming Wednesday night at the supper hour. I hope that you can be here for that uh, to enjoy this time of good fellowship that we have every month now. If you have a prayer concern that you would like to share with us today, we invite you to write something on a card and share that with us that you don't mind me repeating. Our ushers here have uh, index cards. If you would raise your hand, they will hand you a, an index card and a pencil if you need that. And um, we, we will collect those from you in a few moments. We are in need of someone for the contemporary service refreshments during the month of June. So please see Christy Morris if you can help us with refreshments 
in June. I think it's fairly automated in terms of what we get. It's just we need somebody in charge of doing that. So talk with Christy about that. Barbecue tickets uh, will be on sale today. Um, I think that is like less than two weeks off now. Um, barbecue, and, and so we invite you to see uh, David Owens and other members of that class if you would uh, um, like to purchase tickets for that barbecue. Um, what else am I forgetting? I got hit with about five things when I walked in the door this morning to, to announce, and I've got a Teflon brain. Nothing sticks to it. <clears throat> and what am I forgetting? Somebody else asked me to say something? I guess not. Um, well, then we'll invite you to share those prayer concerns. If you will raise your hand when you're done with those, and our ushers will be gathering those up. And as they are doing so, Hey, the bas uh, baseball, softball season is here. And we have three teams, I understand. <clears throat> the women are undefeated. They won one game and another one was forfeited to them because somebody watched them play the first night and decided they didn't want to play that crowd. Um, and then we have two men's teams. Now, <clears throat> most of the games, I believe, are out here at Fairview, if not all the games. And somebody tell me when the next is. Tuesday night, is there a game? Tuesday night for the men, got time, sometime around sundown, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, Tuesday night though, I'll tr we'll try to get that in the bulletin in the future. What about you ladies, when's your next game? Is there anybody here that plays? You have a game on Tuesday. Well, Good. It is very entertaining. Bring your, bring your camera. You might win America's Funniest Home Videos. <clears throat> that's if you take pictures of the sideline where some of us are standing. <clears throat> well, that's, uh, let's join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> we give you thanks, O oh God, for this day. <clears throat> We're thankful for the joy that is ours as we come together. We're grateful for these children that you're sending our way, that we can talk about the importance of your love to hold us together. And we live in a world that's doing a pretty good job of tearing itself apart. How good it is to be reminded that there is a force which holds us together with one another, and that is the love of God. We're grateful that we can come together and share these concerns and be reminded of your love for us. And as we pray these things, Lord, we know that it's not a matter of convincing you that you need to act on our behalf because you know our needs before we even ask and you move to answer our prayers because a father takes care of his children. And that is our confidence as we bring these concerns to you. We pray for Cheryl Dobson's back surgery next week. We pray for Lisa Bridges. May God give her peace. We pray for a grandmother and an aunt who are leaving their home after 65 years to be closer to family. 
We pray for a good friend to come to, to Christ. We pray for continued healing and a good recovery after LASIK surgery. We pray for peace for the family and friends of Sonny Graham. We pray for, we'll give you thanks for good medical results. <clears throat> we tra pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones, and give you a prayer of thanks for Woodrow's recovery. We pray for a recovery from a fall for Mary Burns of Enman. We pray for healing for Carl Reinick and Mike Berg. We pray for those recovering from surgery. And we continue to pray for Smiley Howell and his family. These are our prayers through Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The place that I go for all the news that's not fit to print, Waffle House, <clears throat> I heard this morning, and I don't have any way to check it except to check it with you, that uh, Lee Dumas's grandmother has died. Uh, Mrs. Satterfield, who was way on up in years, but uh, and funeral, I believe, is today. So those of you that are good friends of Lee's will want to be in touch with him uh, on this. All kind of things you learn at the Waffle House. That's why I go. Uh, I haven't <clears throat> haven't picked up any new good youth directors there, but I'm working. No, it's so good. Uh, so good to have Andy with us today to bring the morning message, and it's always good to, to hear his insights in, into Scripture. Good morning. It's good to see such a big crowd here. Um, my message today is entitled Snakes in the Sand, but before we get started, I want to pray. Um, so let's go to the Lord together. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together here in fellowship that we might share in one another's faith and, and uh, join together in worshiping you. We ask during the next few minutes that you would send your spirit to open our hearts and our minds, that we might receive a fresh and new word from you, and that we might go out and live our lives this week um, as better servants for you than we did this past week. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Before we get into the scripture today, I want to talk about context. Have you ever been in the middle of a conversation, just you and another person, and somebody else walks up, and then they sit there and listen for a while, maybe even join into the conversation, but then the conversation ends and you go home and you think, I wonder if they're going to say anything about what they heard, because they didn't get the whole picture, they didn't have the whole conversation. Or perhaps you've been the person who walked up while two people were talking, and debated whether or not what to think about the conversation you just heard, when in actuality you didn't have the whole conversation. You didn't hear everything that was said. And all of us, a time or two, have probably been guilty of going and uh, telling somebody else what we heard so-and-so say when we didn't hear the entire conversation. Well, that 
type of problem can lead to a lot of tricky situations when you have you know uh, people being misquoted or one particular phrase is really taken out of context that's what I'm talking about and I think as a Christians in America we have a major issue with taking scripture out of context you see you can't just take one verse that's plucking it from a conversation uh, between Jesus and his disciples or between the psalmist and his prayer to God and so you have to be careful with one verse extractions when you're talking about the Bible you run the danger of really being able to make that verse say whatever you want it to say um, now not all these devotional books are bad that's not what I'm saying here what I'm saying is is that you need to check what you find in these devotional books with the entire passage with the entire conversation that it comes from. Remember, our Bible was not written. Paul did not write chapter 1, verse 1, da-da-da-da-da, verse 2. That was given years and years later. And so the original writers and the original readers wouldn't have been as apt to just kind of pick and choose from it. And so like in these books, the Bible promise book and, and any daily devotion book, I'm not saying that what's in there is bad. Uh, a lot of times even an author will do justice to the scripture he's just selecting a scripture that represents an entire passage and then he expounds on it and he doesn't miss any points but there are a few like uh, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever read the prayer of Jabez it was really popular back in late 90's early 2000 with churches Ch whole churches were reading this thing you know and it really takes out of context this one man's life in a list of other men and gives you a step-by-step -step process on how to uh, pray so that your realm of influence might be expanded and that you might have more and more resources, more and more wealth to spread the gospel. And that's really not what the biblical writers intended for the, the situation to be when they wrote about Jabez. Um, so uh, in my own life, Jesus in blue jeans was a gift to me. And more than once when I was in college, because I was being fed a lot of different things from a lot of different places, uh, I came across a couple of devotions that were based off of one verse in this book, Jesus in Blue Jeans, and it completely kind of went against what I knew about God and the character of God and the way he worked that I found in Scripture. And so I'd go back and look at it, and sure enough, the author had kind of used that verse to say what he wanted to say and make his point and push his agenda, so to speak. So when we read these things, we need to be careful. Maybe make a habit of if you're just getting one verse at the beginning of a day or something like that, tell yourself or you know, make a habit of going and reading the whole chapter or the whole conversation that verse came, in, came out of. That way you can get an idea of what the author was really saying and make sure that the devotion goes along with that. Um, the biggest thing is, is this does not need to replace our reading of the Word of God. It doesn't need to replace it. It needs to supplement it. And so... Uh, the reason I wanted to talk about that is because we're going to talk about a very famous Bible verse today, John 3.16. It's, it's so famous, uh, especially in America, it's been commercialized. Hats, coffee mugs, dog clothes. I'm not sure why necessarily you'd want that on your dog, but I guess, you know, and it's always been this kind of uh, uh, verse that is, sums up the Christian faith, and it's been a verse that's uh, used to uh, evangelize other people. I know that this man... It's tough to see. It's a dark picture, but uh, this is called the Rainbow Man. Anybody ever heard of the Rainbow Man? Okay, yeah. He was uh, big into uh, the sports, 
And uh, particularly football is, is what I, I can – I don't remember it. His was like late 70s or in the 70s here. But uh, he always wore a rainbow wig, and he um, always wore some sort of Jesus T-shirt and a John 3.16 sign. And this is kind of what he did. He'd go around to professional sporting events and hold it up. And for years after that, I can remember, you know, at the Atlanta Braves game, there being somebody behind the backstop with a John 3.16 sign. Now that's kind of faded out, but – you know, and, and where I heard about the Rainbow Man is from the documentary film they, they actually made on this guy. But So it's a very famous verse. It's been around uh, the world. It sums up a lot of the Christian faith. I bet we can all say it. Let's say it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. All right, now John 3.15. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So that's what I want us to do today. Now, I must admit that John 3.16 is one of those rare verses that does actually stand alone. It really does sum up a a large part of the, the Christian themes that run throughout the Bible and the way God works. However, by reading it in its context and looking at the story and the conversation it comes from, I think it will even enhance the way we look at that verse, John 3.16. I think it will tell us what Jesus is really saying when he says, whoever believes. What is Jesus' definition of believe? And I think if you read it in the conversation, you can figure that out. So we'll start at John 3, um, verse 1. This is the, the conversation that's going on here. And you may be familiar with it. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. All right. Now, a lot of stuff went on in that conversation where you find John 3.16. It begins with Jesus and Nicodemus talking about being born again. And what's this? How can I do this? Nicodemus has a problem picturing this. And um, Arthur's preached on that recently, I believe, or or at least in the last few months. And, And Nicodemus really has an issue with the imagery and with just being able to do this. 
Um, Jesus talks about the Spirit and it being like the wind. It blows where it will, and you can't tell where it's going and where it's coming from. Nicodemus still has trouble. He doesn't understand this. And Jesus finally says, are you really the teacher of Israel? Are you really an Israelite? And then he gives him this story from the Old Testament to help explain what all he's talking about, all these mysteries. This story of the serpent in the wilderness. Does anybody know the story of the serpent in the wilderness? Some of you may be familiar with it. All right. Well, when you come across something like this in Scripture, you need to go back and find out what this story is about. And so that's what we're going to do today. Numbers 21, 4 through 9. From Mount Hor, they, the Israelites, set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. That would be the free manna that God gave them every morning. They loathe that. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. That is the story that Jesus refers Nicodemus back to. Nicodemus would have been familiar with this. Um, As a teacher in Israel, as a Pharisee, he would have known this story. And so this is what Jesus uses, this story, to explain himself about the being born again and eternal life and the spirit being like the wind, being born of flesh and and born of the spirit. Um, and, And so all of this story can help us understand it too and can help enhance the way we look at John 3.16 in particular, what it means to believe. Now, I love this story from the Old Testament because I've always had a, let's call it, curious fascination with snakes. Um, This is a little bit of a dark picture, um, but I do have a snake in my hand. It's going around my shoulders, and that is Catherine Owens touching the snake, and um, she was very brave, um, and I've gotten permission. Alora was running down the trail in the other direction at this point, Um, but I've always uh, had, had snakes, liked snakes when I was growing up. I can remember um, my mom uh, being horrified that my dad was letting me keep a pet snake. And I can remember instances where my mom would pack her bags, sit them by the door, and call my dad and say, your son has lost the snake. It's out in the house. And if you don't come home right now, I will not be here when you do get home. And so, But my dad would come home, and we would find the snake, and they're still together to this day. So, you know, no big deal over the snake. But they don't have snakes now, that's for sure. Um, but I've always liked them, been fascinated by them. Um, and that's an even darker picture, but it's Catherine again. Um, when you deal with snakes, and I've held quite a few and handled quite a few, you do get bit. And I've been bitten a few times, and it stings pretty good. As a matter of fact, this snake bit me on the hand when some youth actually caught this one and were handing it to me, and its head got loose and bit me on the hand. Um, and it doesn't feel good. But I have never personally had to deal with something like this. I don't know if you can see that either. That is what the Israelites would have been dealing with. And the reason I say that 
that I can, because it doesn't give us a definition exactly in the Bible of this was this kind of snake or whatever. But this is the Palestinian saw-scaled viper. And of the eight venomous snakes that inhabit the Judean wilderness, this is the only one that is active during the day and is extremely aggressive. All the others are nocturnal and will shy away from confrontation with humans or anything really larger than, than itself. This one is not. This is a nasty little booger. He's about two feet long and packs a very powerful punch that will within two days kill you by rotting your internal organs. All right, Very nasty, very painful death if left untreated, okay, if, if the venom is not uh, uh, treated. This is what they would have been dealing with, or at least something similar a long time ago. Uh, a very aggressive snake. Now, you can imagine that you are it's getting late afternoon, supper time's coming, so you get your water jar. And you're going to walk out to the river that's beyond the edge of camp. And as you go there, bam, right in the back of the calf, just jumps up and bites you. Now, do you think your response would be, oh, well, I'll go ahead and go get my water. And, you know, and then I'll go back and we'll have supper. I'll get the kids settled in. And then I'll make my way to the center of town where they've erected this bronze serpent. And I'll look at it and be healed and I'll have a good day tomorrow. No, that's not what the Israelites would have done, and that's not what you would have done. You would have dropped your water bucket right there and either climbed something nearby so you could see the center or made a beeline for the center of camp so that you could be healed of this venom. That's the response that these people would have had. So this is the atmosphere you have in the Israelite camp. And this is the story that Jesus is asking Nicodemus to recall. And so what we need to do is to draw comparisons between this serpent in the wilderness and what Jesus is talking about in the conversation with Nicodemus. Now, we can start at the point where Jesus says that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, this is John 3, a long time before the crucifixion. But this is Jesus talking about his own death, even early in his ministry and about how he will be lifted up on a cross. Jesus says in the other Gospels as well, it talks about the Son of Man being lifted up, that he might draw all men to him. All right, and so the, the, he's comparing himself to the serpent in the wilderness. So what other comparisons can we make? One that is not that hard to make is between a snake bite and the bite of sin in our own lives. All right? Just as the venom of a snake bite courses through, particularly in this story here, courses through their veins, it had the potential to rot them from the inside out, as does sin when left untreated in our own lives. Now, we're all sinners. Every one of us here has sinned today and will sin tomorrow, and we are sinners. What makes us different as Christians is our response to that sin. And so we need to remember that sin, if left untreated, can begin to rot away our insides, our spiritual lives, our inner being can be greatly affected and devastated. And eventually, some people can end up spiritually dead if they don't find a cure for the venom of sin that courses through their veins. Another uh, correlation you can draw is between the response. We don't need to hesitate when we're dealing with sin in our lives. 
We don't need to go about what we're doing and put it off till tomorrow or I'll deal with that. I know I know I, I got that problem in my life, but boy, Lent's coming up soon and I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll make a, a new go of it during Lent and I'll really get a handle on this. That's not the way that if you, if you make the comparisons here, you would not treat a snake bite in that way. You would not do that. And so that's not the way we need to handle sin. We need to be very honest and open with ourselves about sin and deal with it as soon as we can. How do we deal with it? Run to Christ. That's the easiest way. That's the only way, as a matter of fact. There was an intensity with which the people in the camp would have run to the center of camp or got to a vantage point from which they could see Christ. So uh, another thing that you can draw an analogy from is how does it work? I don't know how it works. I don't know how the bronze serpent suddenly made them whole on the inside or healed them of the venom. I don't know how exactly how Jesus, being crucified to the cross, does indeed forgive us of our sins. It's somewhat of a mystery, isn't it? We can't explain it. It takes faith. Science certainly couldn't tell us anything about it, really. And I like it because Jesus says, it's kind of like the wind, though, isn't it? Nicodemus was having trouble to, you know, with this idea of being born again and what's it mean to be a Christian. And Some of us have too. And Jesus says, well, I can't tell you exactly how it happens. Same way I can't tell you how the snake healed the people, how the Son of Man lifted up exactly is going to forgive sins. But I can tell you this. You may not be able to see where the wind is coming from or where it's going. You sure can see the effects of it where it is blowing. You can see the leaves rustling or the bushes shaking and sometimes in destructive wind, you can see the damage it's done. That's the way it is when you're healed by the sacrifice that Christ made for you. You can't tell exactly how it happened. can't explain it, but you sure can see the effects of it in your own life. And so there's all kinds of, of analogies you can draw from this, and Jesus really helps Nicodemus see the picture here. By, by bringing up this Old Testament story. Now, the important thing that we need to take from it today is that this is an explanation of what it means to believe, to earnestly seek Jesus crucified, what he did on the cross, to look at that intently, to look at it um, as if it is the only thing that can solve our problem of sin. It is the only thing that can help us out. It is the only place we find forgiveness. And so we need to run to it the same way that the people in the Israelite camp would have run to the bronze serpent. Because sin is serious, and it needs to be dealt with. And whatever you or me or, or anybody is going through as far as dealing with their sin, whether it's sins of uh, disobedience where we're not doing uh, or where we're doing something that God has told us not to do or we know we shouldn't do, or whether it's sins of you know, where we're having problems obeying God, where we are not doing things we know we should do, not reaching out to that neighbor, not praying daily, you know, whatever it may be, we all have sins in our lives, and we need to address them now, today. Because if you don't, it can compound. And, and before long, you find yourself a long way off from what you want to be, what you need to be, and what God calls you to be. And so deal with it quickly. Because the only, the only way that sin can be eradicated from your life and its effects done away with is when you look to the crucified Christ and realize that his blood is the only anti-venom for sin that courses within us. It's the only thing that'll help. Praise God 
that he's provided such a richness um, in his word for us to explore and for us to be forgiven and free, as our liturgy says, for joyful obedience in Christ's name. At this time, yes, if the ushers would come forward as we prepare to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. I invite you to stand with us as we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Son and Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Good week.